This is Sketch for Summer by the Duruti Column, released in 1980 by Factory Records, the Manchester label most famous for launching the careers of Joy Division, New Order and The Happy Mondays. But the return of the Duruti Column, an album by a band which consisted of only one member, the ex-punk Vinnie Riley, was one of the first records put out by the label. And although the dreamy, pre-chillwave sound remains iconic to this day, it's the album's famous original sleeve that we're here for. Under the direction of label boss Tony Wilson, and much to the consternation of Factory's creative director, the young design talent Peter Saville, the album's jacket consisted of a simple sleeve with two pieces of sandpaper glued on each side. A reference to the Situationists, an avant-garde art collective whose modus operandi was to critique and disrupt consumer capitalism. In this example, we have a record that was designed to destroy all the other records in your collection, as well as itself. You're listening to Kunst Please, a podcast about modern art. And this is a story about a little factory in Manchester that produced very erudite pranks. The Situationists were a group of social revolutionaries made up of artists, intellectuals and political theorists, prominent in Europe from the late 50s to the early 70s. Their ideology was Marxist in theory, but they had updated some of Karl's theorems to achieve relevance in the mid-20th century. They rejected the idea that advanced capitalism's apparent successes, such as technological advancement, increased income and increased leisure, could ever outweigh the social dysfunction and degradation of everyday life that it had simultaneously inflicted. Essential to situationist theory was the concept of the spectacle. This was a critique of the trappings of modern life and our reliance upon the consumption of objects and commodities. The situationist acts, whether through art or political thought, were designed to reawaken the pursuit of authentic desires, promote the benefits of experiencing the feeling of life and adventure, and the general liberation of everyday life. In 1958, Guy Debord and Asger Jorn, both artists and leaders of the Situationist International, as the group was known, produced a book called Memoirs. The work is comprised of two major theories. The first is psychogeography, which is sometimes referred to as drifting. Essentially, it's a method of exploring cities or architecture in general and trying to create a vibe. The second theory is detournement. That's hijacking or rerouting in French. It's a Dadoist approach to art that is still highly prevalent today. These are essentially pranks, the turning of expressions of the capitalist system and its media culture against itself. You've seen culture jamming like this in the work of Barbara Kruger, or Supreme, the advertising of Nike, and the TV shows of Chris Morris. The joy of this anarchic postmodern satire is what led Tony Wilson and Peter Saville of Factory Records to the Situationists. And that book, Memoirs? Its dust jacket was made out of sandpaper, designed to not only bring harm to the other books on the shelf, but also to the reader. Tony Wilson first encountered situationist thought when he was at university. He was quoted as saying, We all wanted to destroy the system, but we didn't know how. The situationists offered 
I thought then, and I still think now, the only future revolution I could imagine or want. He had been introduced via a splinter group known as the King Mob, an anarchist group out of London which contained a pre-Sex Pistols Malcolm McLaren. Amongst many planned actions, they once attempted to give away all the toys and selfridges to children via a member dressed as Santa Claus. They were also responsible for a very famous piece of late 60s graffiti in West London. It read, Same thing day after day. Tube, work, dinner, work, tube, armchair, TV, sleep, tube, work. How much more can you take? One in ten go mad, one in five cracks up. Peter Saville joined Factory Records barely a year out of art school, but came prepared with an incredible vision for the aesthetic of the label. He was apprehensive, however, about the sandpaper for a record sleeve, favouring a subversion that was seductive as opposed to confrontational. But Tony had already bought 4,000 12-inch sheets of material, so the members of Factory Band's Joy Division and a certain ratio were tasked with putting the record together with wallpaper paste. Legend has it, Joy Division's Ian Curtis, perhaps conscious of his wife and child, took on his bandmate shift while they watched a porn movie in another room. Saville was somewhat unimpressed with the results. To me, it looked like a DIY thing. That was really the antithesis of what I was trying to do. It looked a bit homemade. My premise with Factory was that we would be independent, but we would do things better than the big manufacturers. I wanted to place culture or art in the possession of not ordinary people, but people not privileged to own art. I thought, why can't pop things be smarter, more cultured, better? He would have his revenge three years later with the concept for the 12-inch of New Order's Blue Monday, a work of exquisite design and craftsmanship, but featuring a die-cut sleeve that lost the label 5p on each record sold. This would turn out to be quite the prank, given the record would become the greatest selling 12-inch single of all time. And there it is, the postmodern pranks of Factory Records. Cunts Please was created and produced by Jonathan Heath, that's me. Be sure to follow the gallery space on Instagram, at Please for the complete picture. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the experience, please like, comment, review, and subscribe, etc.